I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Bless you as you're seated today. If you would find John chapter 10, I want to go a bit further in our uh, series on This is Jesus for the month of December here in Advent season. John chapter 10, the 10th chapter of John. Today I'm going to talk about the doorkeeper. Now, the first Sunday of this series dealt with, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. Last Sunday, from a message entitled, In Sync, we looked at Jesus at the first miracle the first of seven miracles that are found in John. Six of them are not found anywhere else in the Bible. And we looked at the most unique, the foundational, the first one, which was the turning of water into wine. Today we move to the I am's that are found in John. There are seven I am's that Jesus declares in John. We'll look at two of them today. I am the door and I am the good shepherd. You will remember the others as I am the bread of life, I am the water of life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the resurrection and the life. Today, we look at I am the doorkeeper and I am the good shepherd. In the New Testament, Jesus is called the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. When we look in the book of John, we see these I am statements as Jesus gives these illustrations so that we will understand more about him. In John chapter 10, if you focus your attention in John chapter 10 and look at the seventh verse and a few following, you will find the declaration from Christ on who he is as we compare him to the door and the good shepherd. Most assuredly, Jesus said to them, verse 7, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters By me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not of not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. 
And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. I want to talk to you about this matter of the doorkeeper, the good shepherd. John 10 focuses on the images of sheep sheepfolds, and shepherds. In the Bible, we understand that we as God's people are depicted as sheep because of the sheep's dependence for provision and protection. In life, you may see a stray cat, you may see a stray dog, but you never see stray sheep. Sheep always have an owner. And they're always provided for and protected by the shepherd. Just looking in both the old canon and the new canon, you understand that in both we are seen as sheep. In the Old Testament, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 23, the most famous of all psalms. And then Psalm 100 Remember, the verse says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Bible speaks in the major prophets about woe be unto the shepherd who scatters the sheep. When you get to the New Testament canon, you notice that on the night Jesus is born, the first announcement is made to shepherds who are keeping their sheep overnight. And from then on, through the ministry of Jesus, you see this comparison of shepherd and sheep, we being the sheep. Here in John chapter 10, it talks about uh, Jesus being the good shepherd and we, his people, being his sheep. In John 21, the last chapter of John, Jesus says to Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. And so that's something that we see throughout the Bible. We are looked upon as sheep, not as a pack of dogs, not as a litter of kittens, but we're seen as sheep, sheep who are flocked together. Now, there is a difference in a flock of sheep and a fold of sheep. A flock of sheep are the sheep themselves, collectively put together. The fold of sheep is the place where the sheep spend the night. It is a pen with four walls and no roof. Now, those walls can be made of anything. They can be stone walls. They can be made of thicket. They can be made of wood. They can be made of anything, and they are placed four walls or even circular around so that at night, the shepherd will lead them in. That is called the sheepfold. The fold is the place where at sundown, the shepherd will put the sheep in the fold. Now, there is a doorway for the sheep to get in and out, but there is no door. The shepherd himself becomes the door. 
So he leads them into or drives them into the sheepfold. And then for the night, he lays his body down across the doorway personally. There is no door to close. There is no gate to close. There is nothing that will be there other than the shepherd himself for two reasons. Number one, the shepherd wants to keep all the sheep inside the sheepfold. The younger lambs tend, tend to wander. That's why in the 23rd Psalm, you hear him say that his rod and his staff comfort me. The rod is one end of the stick and the staff is the other end of the stick. With the staff and the rod, the shepherd can both discipline the sheep if they get out of line or rescue the sheep if they wander off and fall down into some type of hole. And the hook on that staff is the right size for a lamb's middle and a grown sheep's neck. So if a sheep uh, fell off into a hole, the shepherd could hold the staff upside down, reach down, and pull the sheep or the lamb out for rescue. What the, what the shepherd does is he lays down over the door or in the door so that the sheep cannot get out in the middle of the night. But not only that, but he is laying down so that no predatory animal can come in. So there may be wolves in the area. The wolves will want to kill the sheep for food, but the shepherd is in the door. The wolves cannot climb over the wall and take the sheep. They must come through the opening and get them and drag them out. But the shepherd is in the door. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. What he's saying is that once I get you in, you can't get out. But also once I get you in, nothing can come in and take you out. That the devil knows that you're off limits because I am in the doorway. I wish I had a witness that no matter what the enemy tries to do to get to you, he's got to get by the Lord first because the Lord is laying in the door. He said, I am the door of the sheepfold. So we understand that we are, would you say this, protected? Uh-uh, say we are protected. Yes, and we are provided for. Would you say that? We are. So that's Jesus and the sheepfold. He physically lays down. Would you understand? He doesn't stand up. He lays down. Important now. He lays down. Jesus is not standing in the door. He's laying in the door. He's not sitting in the door. He's laying in the door. Now, several flocks of sheep would be oftentimes brought into the same sheepfold. So here you are driving your sheep north. Maybe you're taking them to some place where they need to go. And night falls and there are several shepherds with several different flocks of sheep being driven to the north or some maybe even to the south. And there is only one sheepfold. And so 
each shepherd would drive their sheep into the sheepfold. Say, for example, there's three shepherds. One has 25 sheep. The other has 50 sheep. The other has 100 sheep. They drive them all in, and the shepherd lays over the opening that goes into the sheepfold. In the morning, when the sun comes up, it's time for each shepherd to get his sheep out of the sheepfold, but all of them look just alike. There is no brand on the sheep like there is on cattle. There is no particular collar on the sheep. How will the shepherd bring his sheep out? The sheep know the shepherd's voice. And listen, we're not talking about a pack of sheep. We're talking about a relationship. Would you say relationship? Between shepherd and sheep. Not only does the shepherd know his own sheep, he knows them one by one. He has a name for every sheep in that flock. And he calls them by their name. And when he calls them by their name, the sheep recognize their shepherd's voice. I wish I had a Bible reader here that remember Jesus said, my sheep know. Oh, I don't have enough Bible readers. My sheep know my voice and a stranger. They will not follow. Why? Because they know his voice. We're talking about a relationship. Once again, would you say relationship? You see, a, a man that owns a dog has a relationship with that dog. If he or she owns three dogs, they have a relationship with all three dogs. They know their personality. They know their appetite. They know how they behave. Well, that's the way it is with the shepherd and all of his sheep. We're not talking about a big bunch of sheep that are just animals that nobody cares about. We're talking about like an elementary school teacher knows her class. She knows all 26 of their names. She knows their abilities to perform in class. She knows who will pay attention and who's going to go to sleep. She knows who she needs to give special attention to and who she doesn't have to watch over. That's the way it is with the shepherd and the sheep. The shepherd knows everyone in this room name by name. But not only does he know us name by name, he knows us personality by personality. He knows who in this room is more sensitive than others. He knows who is less sensitive than others. He knows who in this room has a bad temper. He knows who in this room is weak in making their judgments. He knows what every one of us need one by one and name by name. You know, the good thing about the shepherd, he doesn't get confused when it comes time to provide what he's going to provide. He never sends your blessing to my house. During this time when people are buying gifts online, there are times when the wrong box shows up at your house. You didn't order that. That's not what you sent for. And in other cases, sometimes the box showed up, you weren't even looking for anything. In other times, you got your box that showed up with what you want in it, but it's got somebody else's name on it. I'm glad that the shepherd is not like UPS. The shepherd is not like FedEx. The shepherd is not like the U.S. mail. The shepherd always gets it right. 
He knows what I need as opposed to what you need. He knows what I, what I pray as opposed to what you pray because my shepherd knows my voice in prayer. He doesn't get the credit card numbers confused. He doesn't get the addresses confused. He knows us one by one. And in the morning, although several flocks are in that, in that sheepfold, the shepherd can stand out and call the roll. And the sheep will respond because Jesus said, I know them and they know me. He says, now there are thieves, but a thief cannot enter, he said, without climbing over the wall because the thief cannot get by me. And I want to talk about Jesus is the door and Satan is the thief. Now, Satan is a thief. Do you know that? He steals. He's roguish. Do you know that? And he only uses three main weapons to steal from you. Deception, discouragement, and desperation. Now understand, Satan cannot take you to hell. He knows that because you're saved and you are a sheep. <coughs> you are Born again, you're a child of God. He cannot destroy your salvation. He can't do it. He knows that because you're a sheep. Jesus tells the story of a sheep that goes off from the fold and the flock. Shepherd had 100 sheep. One of them ran away, left 99. But you notice the sheep doesn't become a goat because it left the flock. When the shepherd finds him, he's still a sheep. See, we are the sheep of his pasture. We, we don't become goats. We are the sheep of his pasture. That's why deception is necessary. What the thief has to do is figure out where you're vulnerable. And he uses deception, discouragement, and desperation because he's looking for your weak spot. You know what he's really trying to steal? Your joy. Because your joy is the key to your life. What can you do in life if you don't have joy doing it? I don't have a witness here. You got a job and you hate it. I don't mean you dislike it. I mean you hate it. I mean, when you get up in the morning, you don't get up right because you hate it. I mean, you can't get yourself together right because you hate it. When you go on the job, you let everybody know, I hate this. Now, how long will you work there? Because you can't even work on a job unless you got some joy. What can you do at home with no joy? What can you do for God in the church, in the house of God, if you don't have joy doing it? I mean, can you sing without joy? Can you serve without joy? Can you celebrate without joy? The joy of the Lord is the strength of the sheep. And if the, if the joy is gone, there's not much you can do. 
Where's your joy? Where's your joy in service? Where's your joy in salvation? Where is your joy in celebration? You know why I serve the Lord the way I do? It gives me joy. It gives me joy to come and preach to you. I said it gives me joy. It gives me joy to sing. It gives me joy to serve. It gives me joy to pray. It gives me joy to be involved in the work of the kingdom. How many saints are there who are joyless? In what they're trying to do for God. See when you got joy doing it. It doesn't matter that somebody had a bad attitude in the group. When you get joy out of doing it. It doesn't matter that somebody else doesn't want to serve or participate. The truth is if you don't want to serve. Let me have your spot. Because I get joy out of what I do for the Lord. And I get joy out of understanding that the more I give, the more he gives to me. But when you don't have joy, when you don't have joy, well, we need joy. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. I, I, I don't know whether the Lord is pleased with me or not. I, I don't know if I'm in the right church or not. I, I don't know about serving over there. I don't know. Well, when you don't know, ain't nothing you're going to do. We can only fulfill the calling of God when we do it in joy. Even the Bible said God loves the cheerful giver. He loves the hilarious giver, the laughing giver. He loves the one that does what they do with no strings attached. They just do it simply for the joy of doing it. But the devil will deceive you or he will look for, please listen, when you're discouraged or when you're desperate. Because once he knows you're down, he can attack you. Now here's what a lot of people don't get. They think that the desperation or the discouragement is the attack. Oh no. You see, the thief has to operate on your cue. He can't bring nothing against you. He's not that powerful. But if you get discouraged, if you start feeling desperate, that's when he starts whispering in your ear. And he doesn't know when you're discouraged or desperate until you announce it. I don't have a witness here. How you doing, girl? Oh, ain't nothing going right. Boom, you're primed for an attack. I don't care. I don't care. The more I try to do, the more I try to do, the worse things get. Then the devil hears that. And now he can attack you. See, you think it's the devil that made things go bad. Oh, no. Oh, no. Things are bad because that's the way you perceive it. Things are bad because that's the way you've judged it. Things are bad because you're looking at it and sizing it up in the negative when you could size it up by the word of God. See, I don't have to say negative stuff to get my point across. The truth is the sword of the spirit is the word of God. 
And when things go bad in life, rather than make an announcement that you're down and you feel bad and it's just so awful, why don't you use the word and bring a description from the word that declares victory on your part? Satan is a thief. He stole angelic splendor from God because God created him as an angel, the most beautiful of all angels. And he took that when he was thrown out of heaven. He took all of his angelic abilities with him. He was the most glamorous. He was the most genius. He was the best. He was the, he was the crowning touch of God's creative influence or God's creative work in heaven. He stole that when he got thrown out. He stole authority from Adam when he got here to the earth. And the devil stole Adam's dominion. And now he's called the God of this world system. And he wants to steal your life. He wants to steal your potential. But Jesus came <laughs> to destroy the works of the thief. Acts 10.38 says, my pastor preached it when I was a teenager, sitting in the amen corner, singing in the male chorus. My pastor preached Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Did you know that the devil has already been defeated. Try that again. Because I keep seeing these movies and these television programs and these songs that have you thinking that God and the devil are competing over you. And the devil is almost as powerful as God. The purpose of the cross was to destroy the works of the devil. And the wolves cannot get to where you are because Jesus is in the door. Let me try that again. You see, if you think the devil can get to you, that's deception. You've fallen for the lie. If you think that some days it's God and other days it's Satan, that's the lie. The devil is defeated. He's just not out of business. The devil is defeated, but he still tries to get your attention. Now, Jesus is the shepherd, and Satan is the stranger. Here's what Jesus says. The shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know their shepherd. But then he said, the stranger does not know us, therefore we do not need him. So we've got the thief. We've got the wolf. We've got Satan, who is a stranger. He doesn't know you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't know your ups and downs. He doesn't know your ins and outs. He doesn't know your plans for 2018. He doesn't know you. You're just in the way. You just get caught in the crossfire. He doesn't know you. He doesn't care anything about you. 
but your Savior, he knows you. You see, Satan wants to steal sheep from the fold to kill them, but the scripture never says that he's successful. Now, here's one of our problems with the Bible. We tend to read into scripture rather than read from scripture. Listen up what John 10, 10 says. The thief has come but for to steal, huh? Come on, to kill and to, but it doesn't say that he does it. It just said that's what he came for. Okay, let me try it again. See, because it said he came for that, we automatically believe that he has the ability to do that. No, he can't do it. Because I'm hidden behind the shepherd. The wolf shows up to devour the sheep. But he can't do it. The wolf is hungry. The wolf is prowling. The wolf is determined. But he still can't get by the shepherd. The shepherd stands in between the sheep and the wolf. The wolf is licking his chops. The wolf is watching, picking out the fattest one, but he can't get by the shepherd. Honey, just because the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, it never said he was stealing, killing, and destroying. It just said that's what he showed up to do. But you have a relationship with your shepherd that won't allow you to be captured. The de it never says the devil is successful. But it does say Jesus is successful as the door and the good shepherd. See, you got to be careful here because listen to what it says in verse 9. He will be saved. Somebody said that's me. Oh, say it again. Who? That's who? Yeah. He, not he might be, not he ought to be, not he should be, could be. He will. That's success. He will be saved. Verse 14 says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. Hold up. How much do you think God the Father knows Jesus? Casually? Huh? The relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Let's talk about it a second. How, how well do you think God knows Jesus? You think he knows Jesus' name? Huh? You think he knows Jesus' purpose? Huh? You think he knows Jesus' passion? Huh? You think God knows Jesus that well? Well, Jesus said, just in the same way the Father knows me, my sheep know me. Hun, hun, honey, hun. If, if you don't know him that well, you need to step up your relationship with him. Because you're letting the wolf tempt you into discouragement, into desperation. He said, I'm the door, I am in between you and the wolf, which means the wolf cannot get me. Now, understand, 
for sheep to be saved now and then lost later is to say that the sheep or the thief is more powerful than God the Father and God the Son. Now, the shepherd saved me and put me here. He is between the wolf and me. The wolf and I. He's between us. To say that he can come in here and get me is to say that the wolf is smarter than God. You say, but I, I, I know a lady, and that lady was going to church. She was saved, and she went back into the world, and now she's lost. Well, let's talk about that. Number one, you said you know the lady was saved. How do you know that? You don't know if anybody's saved other than you. You said, well, she was going to church. Well, a whole lot of folk go to church ain't saved. I wish I had some help. No, going to church doesn't make you saved any more than standing in the garage turns you into a Chevrolet. All right, so you don't know she's saved. Number two, you said she was saved, but then she went back into the world and got lost. Now, what does the Bible say? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Come on. All things are. Whoa, if all things are passed away, what does she go back to? How can I go back to something that ain't there no more? Say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. There's nothing for me to go back to. My past has been erased. My record has been erased. Everything I've done has been done away with. There is no past for me to go back to. Well, it didn't say if any man be around Christ. It didn't say if any man hang out with Christ. It didn't say if any man shakes Christ's hand. It said if any man be in the sheepfold, in the secure zone. If any man be in Christ. See, if you say the devil can get me again, after Christ has already taken me and enclosed me, you're saying the devil has more power than Christ. You say, but what if that person decides they don't want to be saved anymore? Well, there's a whole lot of foolish folk in the world. You think God doesn't feed people because they're foolish? You think God doesn't give people a job because they're foolish? You think God doesn't provide for people because they're foolish? You think God won't save somebody even though they're foolish? All right, come on, walk with me. Are y'all doing all right? Jesus tells three stories, one of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and, and two lost boys. In the story of the lost sheep, remember he said a, certain sh a shepherd had a hundred sheep and one strayed away. And when the shepherd found him, he rescued him and brought him back. He didn't become a goat because he wasn't with the other sheep. He was a sheep although he was not in the flock. But he was still a sheep. Remember when the woman with the ten coins, Jesus said she lost one. 
Well, that one that she lost didn't lose value because it wasn't in her purse. It rolled under the couch. It rolled by the refrigerator. It rolled up under the bed. But it was still worth as much under the bed as it was in her purse. But it just wasn't in circulation. You don't lose your value because you're not in circulation. And then Jesus said there was a man that had two sons. And one took his father's money and went off to a far country. Come on. And spent it on riotous living. And what was he at home? A son. What was he while he was away from home? And what was he when he got back home? Now, the, now, when he got back home, he tried to tell his father, I'm not a son anymore. Make me a higher servant. He said, no. Even though you were not in my house, even though you messed up my money, even though you went off on your foolishness, you are still my boy. I'm going to get a witness in a minute. You see, in the case of the lost sheep, the shepherd found the sheep. The sheep wandered away, wandered away. But what did the shepherd do? Oh, he left the 99. Got himself some traveling clothes. Went down to Walmart, got his suitcase. He got him a ticket and he went after that sheep. And he searched over hill and dale, over mountain ranges, over the valley. When he found the sheep, he rescued him and brought him back. The woman lost a coin. Well, you know, when you're switching pocketbooks, you lose your money like that. Sometimes you forget to move some of it over. Sometimes it rolls out of your hand. I don't have a witness here. You got a Louis Vuitton, but you're putting everything in your coach bag. You understand. And you're trying to make sure you got everything, but you lose something. You know what the woman did? She took a broom and swept. And a light and looked and swept. And look, some of you are worried about your children and your grandchildren because you brought them up in church but they're not coming to the fold anymore they're not meeting with the flock anymore like they should like you taught them to but I'm here to tell you that there is grace that's reaching after them I'm here to tell you love is reaching after them I'm here to tell you God is working in their circumstances and one day he's going to bring them back but check this out, minister. In the case of the sheep, the shepherd goes to get him. In the case of the coin, the woman goes to get it. But in the case of the boy, the father doesn't go after him. You know why? Because you got to let grown folk make up their own mind. Sometimes people around church say, we need to go find our members that don't come to church anymore. Listen, they know where the church is. Ain't nobody kidnapped them and took them away. And ain't nobody trying to bend the church in their favor to please them. They can come on back just like I come on back. But listen, you got to make up your own mind. But when you make up your mind, you will come to yourself. Hey, one old preacher was preaching that. He said the boy got broke, so he, he had to start selling stuff. So he sold his overcoat. When that money ran out, he sold his suit coat. 
When that money ran out, he sold his shirt. When that money ran out, he sold his pants. And when he came to himself, I'll give you a minute to figure that out. When he came to his naked self, he said, how many servants does my father have? And look at me out here. I believe I'll go back home. And when he got back home, the father said, come on, babe. You're my boy. Come on, you stink, but you're my boy. Come on, you messed up my money, but you're my boy. Come on, you did a foolish thing, but you're my boy. The shepherd will in no wise cast you out. When you come back, he will be waiting on you. You said, you said, but Bishop, what if they don't come back? Honey, you can come back on a deathbed before you draw your last breath. I wish I had a witness. You can come back in the hospital in ICU. You can come back when every hope is gone. When you're laying in a coma, you can't move your body, but you can think about what you're doing. You can come. You don't know how God deals with people. I hate to go to the funeral where people want to bring up all the bad stuff somebody did. Now, what makes you think? That it's all right for you to tell what the bad, what bad the dead person did, and you ain't talking about what bad you did. Tell you what, if you want to talk about bad, confess what you did. And hope that when death comes, you'll be ready to go. But don't be going back over stuff that somebody else did that's at peace now. The good shepherd. I'm through. Lays down his life for the sheep. That's what Jesus said. He said, I am the good shepherd. As the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. Listen, he said, no man takes my life, but I give it up voluntarily. I lay down. Somebody said, lay down. He's not standing in the door. He's not sitting in the door. But oh, he lays down. See, that's what I'm telling y'all. I get joy out of preaching. Some folk get joy out of getting high. Some folk get joy out of getting drunk. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. Oh! get joy so much joy when I think about what he's done for me and he is the good shepherd yes he is one friend
Friday morning, he died out on the cross. And then they laid him down in Joseph's new tomb. But Sunday morning, yes, my good shepherd, Sunday morning, he rose. Let me remind you one thing. He's all right. When I preach about Jesus, I'm looking for the sheep who love the shepherd to say yes, Lord. Ah, Sunday morning. the day shook off a death shroud stood up on resurrection ground told the devil told the world all power is in my hand go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that Jesus come on stand up I'm done I can't do anymore 